everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Conscious Conversations with Ascending Tribe. I'm Alex, creator of Ascending Tribe, um, and you can join our weekly chats online by sending me an email. I am so happy that I finally got Dave on. Um, I've been trying to get him on for a few years. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, I messaged you like six, Five, five years ago when I first came across you, I was like, I need to speak to him. <laughs> uh oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> no, sorry I'm sure you were, you were inundated, inundated, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Um, yeah, so I do my little intro and basically I described you as <laughs> um, someone who has a burning passion to help humanity by sharing a wealth of experience, wisdom and knowledge. So yes, introducing you, allegedly Dave, AKA Dave Murphy. <laughs> How have you been? It makes me sound all wise and stuff. I'm not. I'm just <laughs> you are, you're like, the wise, you're like the wise oracle. Gosh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the world is in trouble then. <laughs> <laughs> How have you been though, during these crazy I, I, times? I've been actually good. I mean, um, you know, I live, live off grid. So, you know, this, all this lockdown stuff hasn't really affected me. And yeah. essentially, Whenever they've said, you can't do this, that's exactly what I go out and do. Yeah, yeah I, I can relate, especially with the mask situation that's been going on, but I'm sure we'll touch on that. Mm -hmm. um, I really want to start with the very, very beginning of your journey. So what was that moment that really sparked your journey? And what I mean by journey, I mean, I don't really like calling it an awakening as such, because I feel now it's more of a remembrance. Mm. Would you feel the same way? Or that journey of remembrance, you know? I, I kind of do because um, uh, I was I was like deep in the matrix. I actually remember um, a moment when I was when I was young, um, say thirteen or so, or maybe a little younger than that. When I literally decided to, um, well, I realised I was like a square peg um, trying to fit into a round hole, and I made a conscious effort to shave off the corners so i just sort of fit kind of in the hole you know i remember that moment that i thought well you know if, if this is it <laughs> then okay i'm gonna have to see how how well i i can fit um and for for a long time i was i you know i was playing the game i was uh you know working to to get more money get a bigger house get the faster car and all that stuff um I, I guess for me, it was uh, like several things happened at once. Um, I, I was actually at 9-11. You know, I, I, I turned down a job in, um, in Lehman Brothers on the 40th floor of Tower One. That's insane. A, a month before it happened. And uh, I took a job directly across the water in a place called Hoboken, which is literally right on the waterfront. Yeah. So when it happened, I was right there watching it, you know, from the, from the side of the river. Um, so I didn't really see anything, you know, weird about it. And I knew there was something fishy about it because it looked too much like a film, you know, how it turned out. Um, and Can I just ask, did you see two planes? I didn't see the first plane. So there um, was a plane? I don't know because um, all, the first thing I knew was that I was, I was at work. Um, one of the secretaries come running in and said, um, and she said, a plane hit the World Trade Center. So we all rushed out, yeah. And we, I just saw the the hole in the hole in the building and the smoke pouring out of it. Yeah. And um, while we were standing there, 
I, we saw a plane flying low over the Statue of Liberty from our, from our point of view. Yeah. Um, it was flying low, flying towards the, the city. And we were like, well, what, what's, what's, what's he doing? You know, is, is he getting a, a better look or something? Um, and then we saw the plane kind of disappear behind the building. And then we saw the explosion. And I did, we didn't see the plane come out the other side. So, um, you know, it, naturally we, see the, we thought the plane hit the building. So um, I, don't, I really don't understand, well, I do. I do understand the people who say, oh, no, there wasn't a, there, there wasn't a plane. It was on TV. But you know what? I was there. I saw what looked like a plane. So, you know, I, what, what can I tell you? you know? Yeah, because there are like, there, there's different um, theories around this, aren't there? That it was a hologram. Yes, and, and, that, and, one, and then there was a, the CGI theory as well. Yeah, one of the one of the things that they uh, they point to to say it was a hologram is a, a piece of video that shows um, as the plane was going along, a wing seems to disappear into a building, and uh, and then sort of pop out again. But that, if you knew how the buildings are laid out, you'd realise that the the building it seemed to disappear into was yeah. actually. In way in front of the World Trade Center, so the plane actually just went behind it, and the, you know, that's where the, the wing disappeared to. It's just the the way it was it was shot. But no, I saw what looked like a plane, and the sound of a plane, you know. Um, so you know. So you heard it, it as well. That's that's crazy. Yeah, unless it was a very 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 sophisticated hologram. Um, no, I we saw it as a plane. Yeah. So that was like the moment that kind of got you onto your journey? Like you, no. you felt something was, no. <laughs> no, um, it was four years later um, when um, I was helping my daughter with a physics homework. And uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, if the, there's a marble on the tabletop and the marbles, a meter, the tabletop's a meter high, how long does it take the marbles to hit the floor? And so we worked through the problems and uh, my daughter went, I've got it, dad, I've got it. And I said, aha, not so fast. Okay, let's imagine it's a bowling ball and it's on the World Trade Center. And so we sat and worked out the, the, the calculation and it came out to be about 10 seconds. And that was when a light bulb went off and I was like, hang on a second. And I went back to watch the films and sure enough, the whole building took, um, you know, 10 seconds to fall down. So that's when I thought, when I realized that it couldn't have happened you know, the way they said it did, because, you know, a building falling for its own self, you know, for the path of most resistance, yeah. at the same speed as a bowling ball falling through empty air, it's impossible. Um, yeah. So, so there I must thought, have been explosions with, like, whether, whether there was planes or not, there was definitely explosions. Oh, yeah, there were definitely explosions. But, you know, at the, at the time when everything was happening, you know, it didn't really sort of uh, register as such. Yeah. It was like... Um, yeah, well, nobody thought, well, why, why, what, what's exploding, you know? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, when you go back afterwards and start looking and thinking, well, okay, wh why is it, what, what, what is exploding? You know, why, why are there explosions? Yeah. Um, and then you had Building 7 and all this stuff. But it was, it was that turning up at the same time as, I guess, my midlife crisis hit me. You know, I, I started asking you know, is this all there is? What, what am I here for? You know, uh, am I really here to, uh, to go to work every day and, and you know, collect things and, uh, um, 
you know, and just what the most the person with the most stuff die, you know, that wins at the end or whatever. Um, so there was that feeling, and it all culminated when um, I, I had a Ferrari. I had a Ferrari F three five five Spider, and um, I was I was stopped at traffic lights one day, and people were crossing the road, and they crossed the road and stood next to me looking at the car and I sat there thinking hang on I'm in a car you know from where I'm sitting I can't see I'm in a Ferrari I'm just seeing you know steering wheel you know windscreen it's like I'm, I'm just in a car and you know did I get this thing for me or for them and it was like you know a bit of soul searching and I realized I got it for them I didn't get it for me I got it for them to see how well I'm doing. Yeah. And then I, I looked at my house and it was a huge house and there's four of us rattling around in it. And I was thinking, well, yeah, I got that for other people to see how well we're doing, you know? And it was like, I was like pulling apart all the, the sort of strands of my life and everything just fell apart. And it, you know, my job was, wasn't what I thought it was. It was actually putting people out of work and enslaving people to a computer, you know? Um, you know, every aspect of my life was a fraud. Um, and, and so that was it. I was, I was on a, a journey to find out what was behind 9-11 and what, you know, what the point of life is about. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And then you I, just went down all the other rabbit holes. Yeah, it was like, it's like doing a huge jigsaw puzzle, yeah? yeah. <laughs> you start off in one corner and you're doing all the 9-11 stuff and then all of a sudden you find a few pieces that kind of lead off somewhere and it's yeah. like, okay, what, they don't seem to fit in the big picture here, but let's go along here. And then you open up into another topic and you're finding all the pieces for that and so on and so on until eventually you've got enough of the puzzle done that you can stand back and see the big picture. And, yeah. Uh, that's what that's what I've started to say. It is such a crazy sort of feeling, isn't it? When you start going, it, because for me, how it happened, um, like in 2012, uh, I came across this documentary called Zeitgeist. And at the same time, I was given the book Conversations with God. So kind of simultaneously, um, my spiritual journey was kind of starting. And then my truth seeking journey was also starting. And it was just really funny how exactly like you say the little pieces lead to the next piece the next piece the next piece the next piece and it's just it's i just remember like i don't know just talking to you now about it i don't often think about it actually but it's just even talking about it now is just making me think like reminiscing about the feeling of how crazy it used to feel <laughs> mm. but i still have that feeling now you know like even now it's like the more i know i still feel well i realize now the more i actually don't even know like you well we've had conversations before like you know and i constantly keep asking questions yeah. <laughs> which i will do here anyway <laughs> yeah it um it was early you know earlier on it was it was uh, it was shocking i was finding these things out and it was like total shocks and all yeah. and like most people in this you know as soon as you find out these things you want to run down the street screaming look at this look at this everyone <laughs> you know? and uh, and you, you find out all your friends start sort of shying away from you your family yeah. start to kind of turn on you and everything um, did you ever have that feeling that internal feeling of like you kind of half felt that it was that you already kind of knew it like oh, I always, always, always felt like that, or I always 
thought that or I always knew that deep down. Did you ever have that feeling? Um, not really, because um, right. as I said, that moment when I was, uh, when I was a kid and I, I shaved off my, my corners and uh, just, just in basically um, kind of, uh, what's the word? Um, submerged myself into this, into this culture. Yeah. Um, I would ignore all this stuff. Um, you know, even if it put itself right in front of me, I would say, oh, no, that's rubbish and move it aside. Um, but when I, when I stopped and, and actually started looking for myself, um, then I was, again, I was shocked. <laughs> um, and that happened for the first like three or four topics. But, but uh, after that, it was like, okay, another shock. I knew that. Yeah, I knew that was coming. You know. So yeah, exactly. In that way, yes. After after a few um, a few sort of uh, stops along the way, it was you kind like, of expected yeah, it. I know it. Yeah, yeah. And you and you always see the same. And yeah, this is part of it as well. You always see the same characters popping up. You know, in every topic, it's you know you, you delve deep enough into it and you find the Rockefellers and you find yeah. you know. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's true. So now we're going to fast forward to today mm -hmm. and I really want to ask your opinion. How did we get here? How did we get into this situation that we're currently in? Like, let's delve a little bit deeper. Like, how did we come to this point that we're currently living in right now? <laughs> it's it's wow. quite a broad question. Yeah. Um, and we've actually, how did we get here? We've been part of a, well, first of all, we've been part of a story a story that's been going for thousands of years um and part of that story is a plan um to basically to exterminate um a nation of people and uh you know this this plan has had some kind of divine help uh or, or let's say celestial help yeah um so so yes we're we're at the final stages of, of this plan, um, but at the same time, we're at the the end, um, the end times of the planners. <laughs> so yeah. they've run out of time, basically. Um, but but um, you know the, the, their their end game has has basically started too late. You know this is why this is why everything is is like frenetic. Every everything is like being like the kitchen sink has been thrown at this. You know, because this is this is essentially the last gasp. This is the last opportunity. It does definitely feel like the last push, doesn't it? Yes. You know, and their their end game should have happened um, years ago. And somebody else um, made this point. I think that their plan was for um, was for you know to 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 end or you know to actually finish. Um, uh, you know, twenty twenty one. Because you know, agenda twenty one. Yeah. Right? So now it's been pushed to agenda twenty thirty. Yeah, I've heard of this one. Yeah. <laughs> so so yes, it looks you know, and it, and it also feels like you know because we've been pushing back, you know, we've we've you know interfered with their plans that we've delayed them enough so that now they've they've run out of time and uh, they're they're literally throwing a kitchen sink at us. Yeah. Does this tie in with the Yuga ages? Um, again, the, 
okay this is this is probably unpopular for for those people who are into this but um <laughs> all of these all of these religions um have uh, a fake they were they were made by the the vatican church um the vatican church the, the vatican um now the you know um, i don't doubt that the indian um culture yeah um actually predated the flood you know it's, it's writings based on you know pre-flood times and yes it goes back a, a long way but the actual religion you know which which you know cherry picks the bits and pieces they like and uh, and weaves yeah. a story around it um that was created by by the vatican so um in in a way yes it is kind of like you know the yugas there are um there is going to be what uh what could be classed as a golden age but um it, it i don't think it follows the same the the patterns and revolution. but you don't feel it's like seasonal no as in the universe goes through seasons our earth goes through seasons no as as i said there's a story that's going on and it's a it's an active story where um you know the, there are two sides vying against each other right and uh uh, and so it's not not so much seasonal. It's it's literally very active and and uh, um, changeable, essentially. So it's between you know? good and bad. Yes, essentially. Um, so you've got you've got like you know the Most High. Um, some people call him God, but uh, the Most High on one side, and his his representatives, his his chosen representatives down here 12 or 13 tribes but then you've got the the ones that rebelled yeah the fallen angels yeah and they and they have chosen human representatives as well another 13 12 or 13 tribes yeah yeah and and literally what's been going on for thousands of years is this this battle between them because yeah. um there is a, a hatred between these bloodlines that will go on till the end of time okay so it's going to be a constant battle and it has been i mean yeah. it's, it's raging now you know but the one side the uh, the um the ruling class at the moment their uh, one of their blessings is deception basically deception and warfare yeah but uh, deception is their is their most you know powerful weapon and um, that's what that's what they've been using, and this this whole society is built on deception, literally is. You know everything. You know, you um, you look at uh, what a politician, how a politician works. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you, you, we find out he's a politician's lied or done something really bad. He'll come up and he'll use flowery language to to uh, um, not actually lie, but literally leave people with the impression that he didn't do what he did yeah even though he literally said he did what he did yeah, it's yeah. Like the language and, and language is one of their powerful weapons the language is is designed such that it it makes it makes lying and creating false realities in people's minds very easy yeah i actually have a question about that so we'll actually come on to that but you know what i found out lately was that in politics they actually have a specific job, um, a job description um, mm -hmm. called a spin doctor. <laughs> yes. 
Do you know about this? I'm sure, I'm sure you do know about oh, yeah. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's literally do as I, I, I just described. When I found out about that, I literally I couldn't believe that they've actually named it that as well. That, that's genuinely what it's called. Yeah, it's, it's essentially, you know, you've got a story that's negative and, uh, and harmful to, to their agenda and somebody comes out and uses flowery language to, to spin it, to change yeah. it so that the perception is, is completely different to, uh, to what, you know, the, the reality is. And do you... I, I do it in, in one of my talks, I, I give a little example of how, uh, uh, how our minds can be controlled with, with just language. Um, and so what I do is uh, I put uh, a red circle and a, a blue circle on, on screen. And um, I, I say to the audience, right, these circles are different. Okay. Um, now just have a look and tell me which, which circle is bigger than the other. And, uh, you know, half the audience go, yeah, it's a red one. And the other half goes, oh, no, it's a blue one. And one or two people will say they're exactly the same. And so I, I usually pick those, those people out and say, um, no, no, they're different. So, uh, so have a look again, see which one's, uh, which one's bigger. And yeah, they, they eventually have a little look and they go, uh, yeah, I think the red one is. Yeah. And they want to say, oh, no, no, I think the blue one is. Um, but, you know, of course, they're both exactly the same. Yeah. So what I basically said was, they're different. Well, yes, they are. One's red, one's blue. But I didn't lie. I, I said they're different. Which one's the bigger, bigger one? I yeah. gave a suggestion and I, I, I basically shaped your reality. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your, your mind did the rest. Yeah. Um, and it's a very powerful one because even, even when I tell everyone that, yes, um, they're exactly the same size, people still look and go, well, I'm sure the red one's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Even though I told them. It's so, it is really crazy. Is it based on NLP, do you think? Is it to well, do with neuro-linguistic programming? NLP, yes. NLP is just one method. Yeah. You know, hypnosis is real. Okay. And um, since um, I've been looking at language, um, I've, I've realized something, uh, something about it. Um, this, was, this was created. This, this, uh, our, our minds have been created for this, uh, for this purpose. Yeah. Um, there are two ways that we know things. Okay. There's a natural way of knowing something. It's called intuition. Yeah. Okay. And it's that knowing something without knowing how you know it. Yeah. yeah. So you know something, you know, you look at something and you know what it is and you go, okay, is that right? And you go look it up and you find, oh, it is right. How did I know that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that happens in the right hand side of your brain. Okay, the right hand side of your brain is that, that side that is literally connected to everything. Yeah. You know, your, your, your subconscious mind, your right hand side of your brain literally knows the, the past, the future. It knows everything about everything. Now, it won't tell us all this stuff. You know, it will drop us hints every now and again. And if we try and interrogate it, it will kind of go, no, I'm not telling. No, I'm not telling. Yeah, <laughs> you're on the right track, but I'm not telling. You know, it's that kind of that kind of relationship we have that it was, yeah um but it literally knows everything about everything um now the left hand side of the, the brain is what we call us you know so one side of us is is everything the left hand side of the brain is is what roots you in the here and now and in the alexness or in the daveness of everything yeah, yeah. <laughs> of me okay um 
So what they've done is they've, they've, they've um, created a construct in the left-hand side of the brain and kept us rooted in this side. Yes. So it's essentially Greek philosophy. The Greek philosophy is this process of, of learning how to mold and shape the left-hand side of our brains. So yes, the natural way of knowing stuff is intuition or the right-hand side. The, way, the, the artificial way is logical deduction. Yeah. So you get bits of information in a step-by-step logical sequence and, and you essentially craft a reality out of this, uh, you know, this information. And, and now that, that stands as reality. But with logical deduction, you can create any reality in somebody's mind. Yeah. So what you're referring to is like um, the collective side of the brain and then the individual side. Individual. And it's not just individual. It's, you know, the, the, the right hand side is a kind of parallel processor. Yeah. So you get um, lots of information in parallel and then you process it all at once. Yeah. Right. Then in the left hand side of the brain is serial. So you get, you know, bits of information in a, a logical sequence. Uh, and you have to uh, process it in in that sequence, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, so you, that's how we know stuff, and 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 how it works is that you know you you get language, you get uh, bits of information, and you have to put it together and make a guess at what it means. Yeah. yeah? The other side is is a knowing, yeah, and the the left hand side is a is a guessing, yeah. Yeah. And, I don't know if you've seen the um, example of Paleo Hebrew that I've done. No. What the, yeah. your, did you say your video? Yeah, it's in my video and it's about, um, I, I, I tell the difference between Paleo Hebrew and English. Oh yeah, no, I did see it. It was the one about um, the beginning, the beginning of language. It was like going back to the very beginning of language that you did. Right. Well, I do a demonstration in there about the difference between English and Paleo Hebrew. Yeah. Um, and, and you were uh, saying that English is very backwards, like the language is itself is a backwards language. Yes, but the, the example is, um, well, I'll do it here for you then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe a film to you in English and you have to guess what the film is. Okay? okay. So a man on the autistic spectrum recounts his life to strangers. What's the film? Oh, I don't know if I've seen that film. I want to say Rain Man. Okay, right. So what happened there is in the left-hand side of your brain, you were listening to the sounds I was making. Yeah. You were fetching the meanings of those sounds. Yeah. And then you started matching up those meanings of sounds, yeah, to a list of films that you'd watched. Yeah. And you chose Rain Man. You guessed at Rain Man, right? Yeah. That's the process I'm talking about that okay. they've rooted into. Right, now I'm going to give you... Um, the same film in Paleo Hebrew, right? So just relax and listen, because it's a, it's a language of pictures. So I'm going to give you a set of emojis, okay? Right. Right. So, man running, a few trees, uh, a park bench, a box of chocolates, <laughs> shrimp, and a boat. Forrest Gump. Right. So what happened there? is I gave you a start giving you pictures and your left hand side of the brain couldn't analyze them because they were just pictures. 
So your right hand, right hand side of your brain kicked in because it was looking at pictures, a very visual and, and a visual sort of cortex. So, um, so you're, you were listening to the, um, the description of pictures and visualizing them in the right hand side of your brain. And all of a sudden you knew what film it was. No guess, right? You yeah. knew what the film was, yeah? Now it could, that, that set of pictures could not represent Rain Man ever yeah it can only mean forrest gump yeah yeah right can you see the difference between the two modes of thought yeah yeah where, where you you suddenly it just welled up in you you suddenly knew what that film was yeah, yeah. rather than you were listening to the description i made and you were going well i think it was i think it i think it was rain man yeah you even said that didn't you yeah I, yeah I, yeah, I, yeah. Rain man, yeah right but I saw it on your face when I when I was going through the film. You, it was a smile. You just like, oh, that, yeah, you do it, <laughs> right? You, that's the difference: the knowing um, and the guessing. Yeah, and we've been we've been sort of rooted into this world of guesswork. And yeah. you can tell when you speak to somebody. You know, next time you're in a group and you're talking to somebody about something maybe a little complicated, right? Now, we all assume that everybody knows what, what we're talking about when we speak. Yeah. yeah. So next time you've just said something kind of uh, involved, um, turn around to the person that uh, you just spoke to and say, could you repeat that back to me? That's socially, that's socially uh, not, um, not, not acceptable to ask somebody to, to repeat, to repeat what, back what you said. Yeah. yeah. But you do that and you'll find that, you know what? He's only guessed at what you, what you meant. And you're going to have to sort of try and clarify for them because they <laughs> haven't, they literally haven't got what you really wanted to say because essentially your lexicon, yeah, your, you know, your set of meanings and stuff may not be exactly the same as this guy's set of meanings. Because the English language is so vague that um, in, in Paleo-Hebrew, a word has eight different meanings. Yeah. Okay. But you don't choose the meaning you like. You literally take all the meanings and it makes it that word very, very specific. Yeah. Okay. The opposite is true in English. Yeah. An English, in, in English, a word may have seven or eight different meanings, but you choose the one you want for yeah. whatever context that you decide it is. Yeah. yeah? So um, when somebody says a sentence, you don't necessarily understand it the same way as the person said it. So Paleo-Hebrew is like the oldest language. Yes, absolutely. It's a very first can, can you speak it? Like, what does it? Sound no, like. it's, no, it's a dead language, but it, oh. we know what it sounds like. Yeah, because it's um, it's twenty two characters. Okay, every all the characters are consonants because there's no vowels in in Paleo Hebrew, but every consonant. That sounds so weird. It's like trying to imagine. <laughs> yeah, say. but but it's not that hard because every consonant has a has an assumed ah sound after it, so it sounds like ah ba ga da la pa ra. Yeah. Yeah. What does that sound like to you? Who speaks like that? Arabic? No. <laughs> but no, babies. It's babies. Oh, I wasn't going to say, yeah, I wasn't going to guess that. I thought you meant like in terms of like similar to a language. 
no, no, it's baby talk, you know. Yeah. It's babbling, you know, what babies, babies do. Um, well, the point is that babies speak Paleo-Hebrew. Oh, yeah, um, this was also in your video as well. So yeah, was, you yes. had an example of this. Yeah. Um, the, there was a Scottish uh, king who did an experiment where he, he marooned a woman uh, who was deaf and dumb um, on an island with two newborn babies. Yeah. And uh, they left them there for, for years um, to see if these two uh, boys, you know, who were brought up in silence, if they could speak a language. And uh, the story is that uh, when they went back, these two boys could speak Hebrew, perfect Hebrew. That is crazy. And they could speak to each other. Yes, apparently. There's, that's what the story says. But, um, but you know, that's... Uh, it makes sense that we would have like a natural language. Well, yes, doesn't it? I mean, um, cats know how to meow, you know. Yeah. Um, puppies know how to bark. Birds know how to cheat. They don't go to school to learn that. Yeah. You know, the the, the, the uh, parents don't sort of sit them down and, and go, cheat, cheat. <laughs> yeah, cheat, cheat. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they know how to speak their own language. It just doesn't make sense that we come into this world not being able to communicate with our parents. Yeah. You know? So, so do you know what? Like, that was actually one of my main questions was actually to speak on Paleo-Hebrew. But yeah. I want to know, how does this tie into um word magic and and how they use it against us you know like how they how they use it to manipulate us and how they use black, black um word magic against us right well um as i explained earlier with the uh um with the left hand side of the brain um idea is that you can you can know stuff by a a process of of creating a logical um, construct for it and that construct then becomes your reality that then that's what you interact with rather than re actual reality yeah. yeah so um if you if you think about it let's uh let's imagine your your taste buds for instance yeah your taste buds um when you taste something all that gets sent to your brain is a um a stream of electrical signals okay and you know you've got like uh, is it five flavor types of flavor on your tongue um so you get like a stream of electrical signals from five different sets of sensors and we recognize a a certain combination of uh, of these streams of electricity and then our, our mind labels that as something okay so you eat an apple yeah. right there's sweetness there's sourness as there might be a little bit of bitterness and there'll be much, you know, there's a very specific uh, mix of uh, electrical signals from these five sensors. Yeah. And we've labeled that, that's that set of, uh, um, of electrical signals. You've labeled that apple. Okay. But that's, that's a, a left brain process. We've labeled that, you know, an apple. Yeah. Okay? So now language you know, especially in the left brain, can be used to reprogram that process, you know, because it's only a label, Yeah. right? So with, with certain words and a, and a way of speaking to, to actually, you know, let these suggestions go into the mind, yeah, you can, you can convince somebody that that set of electrical signals actually should be labeled onion. Or let's put it the other way, yeah? the flavor of an onion, well, you can now relabel that with apple. Yeah. 
okay? And a hypnotist, a good hypnotist can literally hypnotize you or make suggestions, you know, with a, with a logical construct in your mind to, you know, relabel those electrical signals so, they, so you believe that is an apple. Yeah. You know? So, so yeah, for your reality from that point on is that the taste of an onion is actually that of an apple. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, you know, it's a very simple one, but, but literally you can, you can use this, this logical construction idea to reframe the whole of reality. And that's what the television does. Yeah. It literally puts you in this, um, this susceptible state for programming and you, you know, you watch with the sounds and the, and the, and the vision of oh, that's presented to you. It gives you a completely different reality if you, if it, if it wants to. Um, and you know, for, for instance, if you, if you watch EastEnders, okay, that, that show is like all about conflict and uh, drama, you know, argument, drama and stuff. Yeah. And most people don't, ordinarily have the situations that are portrayed on that uh, on that show but what is what it's doing is creating false experience and it's creating yeah. a reality in your mind that again might not directly uh, sync up to your normal day-to-day -day reality but as soon as you hit a situation that's uh, already appeared on EastEnders right well that false rea reality that's in your mind already will kick in and you'll find yourself um, replaying what you saw on TV without knowing it. And, and people, people often do stuff and then go, why the hell did I do that? <laughs> you yeah. know, afterwards, like, what, why? you know, you've just, you've just had to go at somebody that your best friend for, for next and no reason. And it's like afterwards, you're like, Bloody hell, why, why did I do that? <laughs> you know? That's a really scary concept, isn't it? That they can really get in your head of control and manipulate you like that. Do you think there's a way to reverse the programming? It's be, becoming aware of it, becoming aware. You know, this, this, what we're doing now is, is part of the process. If yeah. you're aware that literally everything that, uh, everything you see, everything you experience becomes a program. Okay. And in the natural world, if we don't have all the, you know, this society around us and TVs and films and everything, well, it's a good thing because you know you you have experiences and they they shape your reality and you know you for instance like you um come to an edge of the cliff you've never seen before and you realize shit there's a long way down there and uh, yeah so now you're programmed to go oh okay if i see this this difference in vision that uh, tells me that there's a long drop there well i know what to do yeah yeah um so in the, in the natural world, great. You know, you, <clears throat> it programs you to, to live better in this world. But that's, that sort of pro, uh, process has been hijacked by this cabal and used against us yeah. to, to literally shape us in the way that, uh, that they want us to. But and what about music? Well, like through music as well? Sure. Um, well, language is uh, is only one tiny part of how we communicate with each other yeah um, so you know it's 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 the way way people walk the way people dress the way people smell the way people 
actually move their bodies and the way people's faces move when they when they speak to you you know we pick up on lots and lots of different ways and um, things frequency as well you know the, the frequency that you choose to use when you speak you know yeah um, like so the tone of your voice the tone of your voice you know if i if i um and uh, i was actually talking about this because uh, i've been doing some talks to the black community um, and uh, I was actually explaining to somebody that, um, you know, in this society, uh, a, a black man seems threatening just because it, just when he uses his natural voice. And I, I realize I, I do this as well, that um, to appear less threatening, I actually have raised the, 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 uh, the pitch okay. of my voice yeah. to sound less, less threatening. Because my <clears throat> naturally my voice is down here. It's low, yeah. It's low and uh, a lot more bass bass to it, and it it's uh, it's perceived in this this um, society as as threatening. Yeah. Um, and I, I give the example of uh, I, I don't know if you you might not have seen this, but there's a, a video on on YouTube um, showing the behind the scenes of Star Wars. Okay, when um, uh, Dave Prowse, who is the guy in the Darth Vader costume, he used to be the Green Cross Man. You're probably too young to remember him, but um, he was—he's a big guy, and uh, he's got this, uh, you know, Somerset accent. You know, <laughs> so the original footage of Star Wars had this guy with a Somerset accent going, um, uh, "Tear the ship apart until you found those plans." You know, <laughs> and it's like that—that's Darth Vader. You know? Yeah. Um, so they couldn't have that voice because it, it literally didn't have any, any power to it, any gravitas yeah. to it. So they had to have, you know, James Earl Jones, you know, this black voice. That deep voice. The deep voice. It's not just about depth. There's, there's all these frequencies involved that, uh, you know, and, and it, and it, it projects as a, as a, a, a voice with authority yeah um and and again that's uh, and you'll see it in this video when when they when they show the uh the sort of dubbed over voice the person said um yeah we needed a voice with more menace you know so it's basically saying you know, james Earl jones's voice is menacing you know that's his natural voice so you know <laughs> but, you see what i'm saying it's, yeah um, yeah so yes, so frequency, sound, in, um, and therefore music is important because we respond to frequencies, and then, and I think this world is built on frequencies and on, on frequencies of sound. Yeah. Um, because if you look at uh, uh, cymatics, um, you know where they put a loudspeaker on a. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I love looking at cymatics, like yeah. the geometry, ge geometrical shapes that sound makes. Yeah. So when they put one frequency into that, um, that loudspeaker and they put the, the flower on top, yeah, the patterns it makes are very complicated, you know, and you get what they call standing waves. So literally all that, all the flower or whatever it is, you know, congregates in those, in those places. Well, that's just one frequency. Imagine a world with, with a myriad of frequencies all interacting with each other. Yeah. And you literally get standing waves of energy, which we call matter. <laughs> so literally i think we're 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 the kind of the kind of this imaginary stuff 
that is held, you know, is organized by sound, sound frequencies, you know. It's um, such a crazy concept, like, because I love, like, delving down this, this little rabbit hole of, like, cymatics and, and frequency. And even I was trying to guess the other day, what frequency am I vibrating from? Like, how do you know what frequency, as in what, what hurts? Like, what actual number do you think, think is I, making up your body? I don't think you're um, a particular frequency. It's, it's like the way I see it, right? This is a world of mind stuff, okay? Because, you know, we, you know if, you, if you follow um, uh, quantum physics, literally when you try and look at, you know, um, a piece of stuff, yeah, a piece of matter, yeah. You know, you, you start looking, drilling into it and you find, well, there's all this empty space and these little bits of matter. Yeah. You drill into those little bits of matter and it's like, oh, there's more empty space and even smaller bits of matter. And you keep going and you just keep finding more and more empty space and more hints of uh, matter. And you never, you never get to any, any actual stuff. Yeah. You know? So um, essentially we're, we mind stuff. We're, we're like um, the, the, products of uh, somebody's mind imagining all this yeah? that's crazy <laughs> so if you if you go along there then then really we're just we're just um a standing wave of energy that's become self almost self-aware <laughs> yeah know? because have you go on tell me i was just gonna say because um you know when you when you look at something you know so i'm looking at i'm looking at this screen right here okay um I'm not actually seeing this screen, yeah? All I'm, all I'm doing is the light is, is hitting the back of my eyes and um, it's creating electrical signals. Yeah. Going to a dark place in the back of my skull and it's putting together and guessing what it thinks is out here, you know? Yeah. And the same with everything else, all my other senses, yeah? We're removed from the actual thing. We just interact with the, with the electrical signals that come from our senses. So... so we don't really know what's out here. We don't really know what we are. Yeah. Our mind is just putting it all together and guessing what it thinks is out here. So I've been delving so, quite deep more into like simulation theory. Do you have an opinion on that? Um, well, what, what I'm describing is kind of um, simulation theory, but it's more like um, an infinite mind, you know? Um, the best analogy would be um, Charles Dickens and Oliver Twist. Yeah. So Charles Dickens sits down to write a, a, a story and what he does is in his mind, he creates a whole world. Yeah. Victorian London. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so he imagines exactly what that world looks like and feels like and smells like and all that. And then he, he imagines all these characters inhabiting that world. And he basically says, OK, you've got free will. Off you go. What are you going to do? And, <laughs> you know, and they all they interact with each other but it's all happening in his mind, yeah? Um, and it's kind of like the Matrix, you know? The, yeah. Um, Neo sticks the thing in the back of his head and he's not moving now, he's lying there, but in his head, there's this entire world going on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, he's moving around, there's time passing, you know? Um, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a world of mind stuff. So do you think we're like the Matrix? Do you no. think... In, in, a in a kind of respect, yes. But as I said, it's the, we're, we're you know, with the analogy of uh, Charles Dickens, yeah, that's a human mind, a limited human mind, you know, imagining the world. 
yeah. and writing it down on paper. But imagine an infinite mind, yeah. Um, imagining, uh, imagining these beings, and uh, and that's it. You've he's imagined us, and now okay, he's granted us free will, and and you, you, off you go. Off, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so, so that's, who do you right, do you have an idea of what entity is controlling this realm or planet or world, whatever you want to call it? Again, I'm, you know, I, I, I subscribe to the most high of, uh, of uh, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Yeah. Um, but he, he's not actually controlling what's going on down here because, as I said, we've all got free will. Um, the, the wrinkle is that, you know, it's free will within an envelope of space and time. Yeah. But from outside this envelope of space and time, the whole story's already um, been and gone. It's already yeah. happened. So um, it's hard for us to, to uh, imagine it, but uh, like the Most High can look at this book, look at it as a book that's already been written. But he, can, he can also sort of open a page and, and kind of interact with it as well. Yeah. So he's, he's literally um, told us the whole story. You know, in that book, he said, oh, "Look, this is what happened. This is what is happening now. This is what's going to happen." Yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, we've got free will. We're not uh, predetermined as such. But from his point of view, outside of space and time, yeah, well, it's already happened. So it's kind of predetermined. Yeah. Um, there was a question I was going to ask. Oh, yeah, that was it. Um, have you ever had an out-of-body experience or an experience with? another entity or another being that isn't human right the only out-of-body experience i've had was uh um one night um oh actually there's no no just one yeah there was one night i was uh, i was lying in bed sort of uh, lying on my back but kind of staring up at the ceiling when i fell asleep um and i kind of woke up but my viewpoint if I'm lying on my bed sort of looking up, but my viewpoint was looking across the room. Yeah, so it was, you know, even though my real head was uh, facing upwards, yeah. I was seen to be looking across the room, like across my body to the, to the main room. Yeah. So my out-of-body experience was like a few inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was lying there. Um, I could see the room. It was exactly like, um, you know, it should be. Um, but then I heard, I heard a noise outside the room like a foot footsteps and I heard these footsteps coming into the room and oh and literally there's you know as you come into my old bedroom there was like a a, a little hallway you know a little passageway um, uh, as you go through the door and then it opened up into the main room so I heard this these footsteps actually come into the room and then I saw this head very slowly come round the side of the the the, the wall um, and i can describe i can remember this head it was like a um a white guy with short spiky blonde hair yeah. and round glasses that that were bright and shiny you know like they were lights yeah he, his head just literally went like this all right <laughs> And, uh, and that's, that's when scary. I, yeah, and that's when I started struggling, and uh, and then and then I sort of jumped up when I'm yeah. So did he so look that, scary? No, he looked ordinary. He looked. But it was like just a, like unexpected, so it was creepy in that way. Yes, it was like who the 
who the hell are you? And what are you doing in my bedroom? <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was, it was just that he was, you know, he was right there. I struggled and, uh, and all of a sudden I jumped up and, you know, everything was exactly the same, except he wasn't there. Did he feel um, good or did he feel bad? Like, do you, do you know to this day what it was or who it no, was? It was, it just felt menacing. It just felt like, uh, he was there not for any good reason. Oh. Um, but, but that was the only, the only time that I interacted with anybody or kind of, you know, saw yeah. but there was one just recently where i was uh, i was helping it was two years ago i was helping somebody in in north london so i was sleeping on their their couch and uh you know in the in the in the front room and i had my back to the room okay asleep on the couch there and i felt that sleep paralysis come on me yeah but it was different because I felt something with many arms, like an octopus, basically wrap itself around my back and like grip me, started to you grip me. You felt that? Yes. I felt there was something or someone or something, but it had many powerful arms, like an octopus. Yeah. It, just, it just wrapped itself around my back. Um, and this is going to sound silly, <laughs> but I said... Um, I am I am David, son of Cleophas, son of Josephine. Um, I'm a Hebrew Israelite, son of the Most High. I, I command you to be gone. And uh, and immediately this thing just just shrunk away, you know, sprung away from me. Right. So I I I, I sat up, and I looked around the room, and there was a kind of very dark corner. And I could feel like there was something in that corner. It always in a corner. Yeah, just waiting for me to go back yeah. to sleep or something, right? It was like just, it, was just, it, was, it felt like a presence just sitting, like hiding in the darkness there. Yeah. Just, just waiting for me for another opportunity for, to, to try and get me. Um, so How I, did I just, you know to say that, by the way? I, I, I don't know. I just, it just felt the, the, the thing to say, you know, to tell it, tell it who I am, that I know who I am and yeah. um, I'm not afraid of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, by, by saying that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a child of the most high, um, these things are going to be afraid of the most high for sure. So yeah. um, he's not, and they're not going to attack the most high's children either. So I, I, I looked at this dark corner and I said again out loud, you know, I am, I am a, I am a son of the most high, you know, I command you to be gone. And I just, and I didn't even wait. I just I rolled over and went to sleep and I slept well. Yeah, that is, that is so crazy. Cause I had like one of the, well, I've actually had quite a few experiences with entities or beings. I don't know what you want to call them, <laughs> but um, the most terrifying one I had was when I was living in Essex actually um, a couple of years ago. That is terrifying, Essex. <laughs> Yeah, it was for me. No, I'm joking. It's not as bad as South London, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was I was in Essex and just one night I remember waking up um, during the night. Well, I wasn't like fully awake though. And I was hovering above my bed. I remember that I was hovering, right? Because I remember my whole body felt like I was vibrating. Mm. Um, like my whole body was just like, like, a, like a phone, how your phone vibrates. Like that's literally yeah. how my body was vibrating. And it was as if my half my consciousness was in this body, but then my other consciousness was taken away. It's really difficult to try and describe the fact that I could really sense that I was in two places at once. Mm. 
because I could really feel and sense and see the fact that I was hovering above my bed and then in this other place I was taken to this realm where I needed to fight this being slash witch and she was like like oh, I don't know I don't I can't even describe she was she had like short hair and was like hunched over and like really short and like olivey skin and I had to walk and I had this um this sword that was like it was um it was beaming like a bright white light from this sword basically I was holding this sword and I remember feeling really confident I was like this is my test like and I just remember feeling like this is a test I've been waiting for um and I'm going to complete this test and and then I had to walk down this massive long cave and I could see her back was towards me so she was like like just standing with her back towards me so I was walking down I didn't even get halfway down the moment she turned around to look at me she was right in front of me staring through my eyes and I don't know like I dropped the sword and I just felt this instant terror and I don't know what she was doing to me but I was frozen in that reality as well as this reality as well <laughs> and then I just remember begging just to go back I was like okay fine I'm not ready like I just remember like getting really terrified when I've come back and I like was dropped on the bed <laughs> and my full consciousness was back I could feel this extremely dark entity in my room in the left hand corner. It was so big that I didn't physically see it like with my own eyes, but I could feel it and it was hunched over the ceiling because that's how big it was. It couldn't even fit in the room. And I remember like, I just remember like I was just looking up, like I can even kind of, it was maybe like a, sh I don't know if I could see a shadow, but I could feel it and I could just knew it was there hunching over the ceiling because it was so big mm -hmm. and I was terrified. I've never felt terror like that. Like I now know the difference between fear and terror because mm -hmm. before I could have just, I, you know, you know what it feels like to be fearful, I suppose, but I was genuinely shaking to go back to sleep. <laughs> I was shaking. It was right. like, insane like that was like the most terrifying experience i've actually ever had with anything like that it, it's that terror when the you know it's late at night like three o'clock in the morning and all lights are off and you're going up the stairs and you th you think there's someone behind you you know that that that, that yes i know that terror you know? yeah <laughs> um but the thing the thing you you said um how did i know to say what i said um the thing i realized was that these these entities um, they're afraid of us. They're literally afraid of us. Um, and we're more powerful than they are. And, you know, that's why their they're agents in this world have made all these, uh, these horror films trying to depict them as, uh, as powerful, powerful demons that can, you know, do yeah. all sorts of things. Because they, they want us to be afraid of them. So I had that in my mind that, you know, um, these things are afraid of us. We, we, we just have to be, just stand up to them, basically. Um, and I also had something, because I, I went to have, um, I had a ayahuasca. Oh, have so, you done that? Yes. That's on my list. She's calling me, but I'm not ready yet. <laughs> but I, I had a, an unusual experience, though. Um, so I went for this, uh, for this session, um, and you know, with one of my friends, actually. Um, now, he had, he had the full-on experience with all these uh, entities he was, he was talking to. With me, I felt, I felt, the, uh, you know, felt it coming on, you know. This was at 11 o'clock at night. Felt it coming on. Three, two, one, all the lights came up, you know. Um, I looked outside. It was light outside. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. 
I was like, well, what, what just happened? Because I, I had no memory of any time passing. It's just like, you know, I settled back and all of a sudden the lights came up. It was like, well, well hang on, what, what just happened? And the guy who was running the ceremony said, no, you were just, you were talking to somebody and you're having, you're having experience. You were, you're moving around the room. You were um, talking, but I have no memory whatsoever. And I, I had this idea um, from a cannabis journey I did um, that it was like, I've got a, I've got a samurai warrior <laughs> somewhere inside here. And it's, its job is to protect me from stuff. And I think it feels like this thing was in there protecting me from what I experienced in that. In that uh, oh, do you think you uh, might have experienced something quite dark? I think I, think it, I, think I, I did. And, uh, and I was protected from it. So I don't remember a, a thing about it. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense, actually. But I've never heard someone have an experience like that where they can't remember their journey. That, this is the yeah. first. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I feel very, I always feel very confident now, you know, um, about anything like that because I, I feel I've got protection. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, again, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of these, these demons or whatever. Um, the only one I'm afraid of is the most high. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about more, um, more about your um, journey because the thing is, um, do you class yourself as religious or not? When you're talking about the most high, mm -hmm. is that from a religious context? Absolutely not. Okay. And this is, this is the research I'm doing at the moment. Um, the Old Testament is not a religious book. Never meant to be a religious book. It's a, it's a book of history, law and guidance for a particular people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that particular people just happens to have... Um, a relationship with the creator of all that is, you know, yeah. um, and that's it. So, you know, what, what's happened is other people have taken that book, added their own book and weaved a religion around it. Um, but no, I'm not religious. I, I was an atheist for 40 years. Um, and, you know, I had to, once I started this whole process, this whole journey that I've been on has been about, breaking the stories that I've been told, breaking the, the, the reality that I've been given, you know, um, piece by piece. So, you know, the, the aims of this society, the aims that I am supposed to have in this society, you know, um, get a, he'll get good grades at school, get a good job, you know, make money, buy a big house, buy a fast car, get a faster car, get a bigger house, blah, 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 until you die, you know every aspect of that got broken away and said, no, that's wrong. No, that's wrong. <laughs> you know? Um, and at every stage where I've learned something about this world and myself, um, I've had to, I've had to adjust to it. I've had to, you know, once I realized that my job was actually um, not what I thought it was and harmful to, to people around me. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do that job anymore. I tried, I went back yeah. into the matrix and uh, tried to, to get a, a job that was, um, you know, innocuous, wasn't going to harm anybody. I, I, I literally started work for a company that uh, did online competitions. I thought, you, can't, you know, that can't, that's not going to hurt anyone. You know, online competitions, that's got to be, that's a bit of fun. 
So I started work, working for them. And uh, one day in a, in a company meeting, the, the CEO came out and said, here's our real business, business model. He said, what we're doing is really we're, uh, we're, when people interact with our site, we, we hide a few bits of software on their computer and uh, essentially we track them through social media and see who they interact with, what their values are, who they confide in. Um, all, this, all this metadata, all this data about you that you don't know you're giving away, you know, and they literally package it up and sell it to uh, the, cor the corporations. And I was like, like data, data analytics and stuff, like personal yes. data and stuff. Yes, but it's not just, you know, not just your name, address, phone number, you know, age and all. No, it's, it's um, psychological information, you know, something, things that, um, that... That could be used against you. Used against you. Um, so, you know, who do you confide in? That was one of the things he actually mentioned. Who do you confide in? So it, it builds a picture of, of, you know, the sort of person you, you, you talk to, um, what things you talk about, you know, it builds a picture of your, your, your psyche, basically. Yeah. And, and that's very sort of uh, very valuable information to yeah, um, advertisers and stuff. So he said, um, yeah, that's what they're doing. And I, I seem to be the only one who objected. I put my hand up and I was saying, don't you think that's not that's like pretty unethical you know and he said well you know if, if we didn't do it somebody else would do it and they'd get the money and that, so was, all, that was yeah it was all about money yeah so um so literally i i, I couldn't work there um i literally <laughs> from that moment on because I, I couldn't just leave so um what i did was I, I i refused to do any work so i literally did no work for six months while i was there <laughs> really yeah. yes i literally refused to do any work i just but did you hand there. your notice in no i i, I did they get rid of you then well eventually well no didn't they didn't actually get rid of me but yeah eventually it was like six after six months i thought oh, i can't keep doing this you know so i left but, but they um, were still paying you well yes I, I i literally worked for six months i did well when i say worked i sat there and did my own research for six months um, and they didn't and know or they did know after about um a month or so they said uh yeah dave we've noticed your work rates dropped off a little bit <laughs> I said, oh really and they said yeah yeah just you might want to uh, bring that up a bit and i'm like okay okay then <laughs> went back to my desk and carried on researching that is so funny that was near christmas it was like november or something so um they called me in sort of just before christmas and said, uh, yeah, we're not seeing your work rate go up very much. I said, oh, really? And they said, yeah, yeah. But we know, we know it's near Christmas, so uh, maybe we'll, we'll take this up, uh, you know, in the new year after Christmas. So I had another month. Of, oh, my gosh. Of doing nothing. And then in the new year, so, okay, we're going to put somebody with you, and uh, we'll, maybe we'll help uh, bring your work rate up. So, oh, Okay. So, so literally, I, I was I was just pushing this, keeping this going for ages, um, and eventually, uh, it's a long story, but I got them to pay me to leave. So, oh my god, that's crazy! So yeah, um, that sounds but, like a that sounds like a win win. Yeah, so you know, I I couldn't I I literally couldn't um, go along with what they were doing. Yeah, of course. And, uh, you know, part of it was my protest 
and my um, hopefully stalling tactics so they they couldn't do this thing so so yeah um so you mentioned not, like earlier at the beginning that you that you now live off grid and then you went mm -hmm. on to say that you used to have a ferrari and a, and a really large house mm -hmm. so i really want to ask how did you make that move to living off grid and like was it a gradual change was it quite drastic for you how did you learn about it or did you just throw yourself in it there's a lot of people that want to you know move off grid like for example that for me is the ultimate dream like living off grid and for me i'm born and bred in a city you know mm. the thought of okay. doing it and trying to get out the system also scares me <laughs> which yes. i suppose is the trap you know yes it is and um, because we don't think there's a we don't think there's a way to live outside of this construct that we're yeah. living in. Um, now for me, it was, you know, it was a process. I, I, again, I tried to, to put myself in a matrix and that's where um, I, was, I found myself in that job. Um, and, you know, because I, I, I had the two children, um, I, I got myself a, a three bedroom house I was renting just on the off chance that they wanted to stay over. Um, but you know, they, they stayed over a few times, but you know, they've got their own lives. So they didn't really want to hang out with me too very much. Um, so it's like, I, I had this, I had this big house that I was rattling around in. So, um, so, uh, yeah, so literally, um, I, you know, I, I yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, so yeah, this big house I was rattling around in and, um, I thought, well, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't live like this. Well, what am I doing? So I, I got myself a, a, a camper van or a motorhome, essentially. Um, and that in itself was a story because I started looking at motorhomes and I was thinking, I was seeing them all, you know, from about 15 grand upwards, you know. <laughs> I was thinking, I'm not going to be able to afford one of these. Yeah. And then um, I just finished a, a, a three-month contract, um, contract work. Um, and I had a, a little wadge of change, you know, a little wadge of change. And it wasn't nowhere near 15 grand, but, um, you know, I had, I had a little bit of money. And I, I thought, well, I'll have another look on eBay to see if I can find a, a motorhome. Um, and the first minute I opened eBay, I saw this, this motorhome that matched up with every, everything that I wanted. And it was for six grand. And I just happened to have six grand. I'm like... And I looked and it was literally the next town along and I, I could walk there. <laughs> so I thought that and I went over and it was, it was perfect. So I, I bought this motorhome and um, then literally I was sitting there for, I think I was there for another, at this house for another uh, four months or so. Um, and I, I kept saying to myself, ah, maybe next month I'll leave and, um, you know, go and that would come and I'd be like mm, maybe maybe next month <laughs> yeah like I kept pushing it off um until uh was there know, a fear was it a fear for you not well a fear yes there's a fear of the, of the unknown because making that jump yeah just as you said it's like uh, okay all right I've got this motorhome now um but what do I do with it where do I go you know yeah. how, how do I live you know what without a without a stable house and a you know this this life that we're used to, what, what am I going to do? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, that fear kept me pushing the date that I left yeah. off and off and off. 
And I, th I think I've done that, that process maybe four or five times, you know, <laughs> maybe next month. Um, and then I guess the most high stepped in and said, uh, and said, nope, you're out. So my, the, my landlord basically <laughs> phoned up and said, uh, yeah, we're coming back to England, so we're going to need the house. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess it is next month. Then. <laughs> um, so uh, the, I think it was uh, like the, the couple of days before I was meant to leave. Um, I still didn't know where I was going to go. And this was, this was on the Friday. I was supposed to hand the keys over on the, on the Monday. And I was thinking, like, I, I don't know where I'm going to go when, you know, when I get the keys in. And then on, um, on that day, somebody phoned up and said, uh, uh, Dave, we're having a, we're having a get together on the land. It's going to be like a, like a long weekend, you know? Uh, um, yeah. Do you want to come? I'm like, okay. So that was my first stop. I handed the keys in, drove over there and uh, was there for, for like four days, four or five days. Um, and then while I was there, somebody else said, hey, there's uh, an eco village over here. And I, okay, I'll go there. So I went there and then there was another eco village and I went over there and I stayed at the, um, so yes, it was like, I, I got instructions en route. Yeah. That's crazy. And um, one of my videos is when I uh, got to a certain place, um, you'll see on my videos, I think it's called A, a Better Way. I got there and this is like, I was in this beautiful part of the countryside and it was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know why I'm making this video, but I'm just saying, it's just like, I've, I've left behind this, this uh, society that, you know, that I didn't fit in. And I feel, I feel more natural walking around in this greenery, you know? Yeah. Do you have many videos um, on your channel about how to, how to live off grid and how you made the jump and stuff? Um, not really. I mean, that, that one is, is basically me saying that I've just done it and, uh, this is what I've done. Um, because the plan was that, uh, you know, I worked for three months and, uh, you know, um, did a contract job and, um, with that three months money, I was hoping to, uh, take six months off and, you know, make that money stretch for six months then jump back into the matrix for another three months and see if I can extend that to nine months. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I got into near the six months and I thought, well, I can, I can carry on. So it's been seven years now. So do you use money? Um, still, yeah, as in, you know, what really makes me curious is how do you support yourself with food and the essentials and water and stuff? This is the this is the thing that uh, that most people don't get, and I don't really get it, but I do get it. But I don't really. There's a part of me that's going, no, it's too unbelievable. Um, the Most High looks after me, okay. so it's it's like if I need to be somewhere, I'll I'll end up there, and I don't know how. You know, I'll end up there. Um, okay, a good example is. Um, I was, I, you know, I'm down at the bottom of the country and I had to do uh, a talk up in Hull. And I looked at my petrol gauge and I'm like half, half, half full. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that's not going to get me up to, up to Hull. So normally I would have phoned up and said, um, you know, I'm sorry, I can't make it, you know. But this time I said, you know what? I know I'm going to get there. I just know I'm going to get there. I don't know how, I know I'm going to get there. So I set out with no idea how I'm going to make it. 
So I set out and um, I'm going along and um, I get a phone call from my, my best friend. And uh, he said, oh, hello, Dave, where are you? I said, well, actually, I'm just passing Basildon. I can, you know, I'm just I'm not far from you. He goes, oh, stop here. I haven't seen you for a while. I was like, well, I haven't got a real timetable here, so I might as well, you know, spend a, spend a few hours with my mate. So I uh, went over his, to his house, parked up on his drive, and uh, I'm looking at my petrol gauge going, nah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and he comes up and he says, oh, what are you doing? I said, uh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on my way to Hull. I have no idea how I'm going to get there, but I, I literally, I've got, I know it in my heart that I'm going to get there. It's just strange. And before I could say anything, he slaps 100 quid in front of me. And I'm like, no, Dave, I don't need it. You know, don't, don't, I know I'm going to get there. I don't, I really don't need it. He said, you know, Dave, you, you've helped me, um, you know, when my mum died and stuff and blah, blah, blah. Um, don't give me this back. So I literally made it there and back. I didn't know I was going to go to, uh, to my friend's house and I didn't know he was going to do that, but yeah. you know, I made it there and back and, you know, and I've got, I've got a whole list of, of stories like that, you know, like, um, like coming, not having enough money to get home from, from, I think it's Leeds or somewhere. And, and, uh, um, you know, only having a, a ticket to go to King's Cross. Yeah. And then on the way, on the way to King's Cross, somebody phoning me up and saying, Dave, can you help me? I said, yeah, sure. Well, whatever. He said, well, can you meet me at King's Cross? I'm like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I met him at King's Cross. I helped him and they took me home. I love hearing stories like that. It just reminded me of a book that I actually read by Neil Donald Walsh, who actually wrote Conversations with God. So mm -hmm. after I read Conversations with God, I read this book about, I actually kind of remember the title of it. It's something to, do, something to do with miracles or miracles of God or something. And it was all about this family. Well, it was like a mixture of loads of different stories that are similar to what you've just basically told. And um, it really changed my perception and helped me trust something i don't i don't even know what now <laughs> what i would even call it source trust, creator it, it trust, helps me trust. trust your part in this world right because um you live you live in your own universe okay right and that universe is for you it's it's, it's designed for you this world is designed for you to be in it yeah? yeah the world would not be the world without you in it right now yeah um so you've got to trust that the world is here to support you yeah it's here to support your game yeah if if you want to believe that you're helpless and without the system right you'll you'll be homeless on the streets in in pain and in terror and all this stuff well the world will give that to you if you if that's what you want yeah, yeah? because right now technically and technically for the last seven years i've been poor homeless um, unemployed and there's another one I can't remember but but I'm all that but that's not me you know yeah. I've, I've, I've worked more for free than you know than I ever worked before you know yeah. and I'm not poor you know because when when I when I need actual money money actually comes to me yeah <laughs> I don't know how it's just um like okay another example um I I, I was uh with a with a, uh, a kind of new girlfriend and uh she invited me to come down to her place and uh 
um, I said, look, um, I'll have to be later because I've only got enough money to get there, you know. And she said, no, 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 come down anyway. Um, got down there and, uh, and, and things went very pear-shaped, you know. So I said, you know what, I'm leaving. Even though um, I, I, I knew that I, that I didn't know how I was going to get home, you know. And it was like, uh, what, a couple of hundred miles away from where I live. Um, I'm walking to the tr train station and I get a phone call. And from somebody who said, uh, yeah, Dave, thanks for all your help. I've, I've donated some money to you. <laughs> and it just happened to be just enough for me to get home with. That's crazy. Yeah, I love hearing these stories. It is so true, though. Like, I do really find that, you know, um, whatever you need does come to you when you need it, you know. Do you believe, like, what's your stance on manifestation, on being able to manifest your own reality? Do you think there's something to it as well? So it's like a mixture of like both manifesting, but also trusting. Well, I, I think, I think that um, this is, this is the place exactly for that. Um, there's a, there's a book in, um, in the old Testament that was, that was taken out of the old Testament called second Esdras. And it basically says that uh, we're here. Um, we're being tested here um that you know it's it's like an open-ended question you know there's no right or wrong way to 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 live your life but you know from your point of view there's no right or way wrong way to live your life but you've already been implanted with the with the ten commandments that tell you yeah you know what this is right this is wrong yeah we all know that yeah um and and you're you're incarnated here you know with no memory of who or what you are and told, you know, off you go, how are you going to live your life? And, and this place, this place that we're in, uh, any, anything is possible. Any experience that you can conceive of, right? You can have it if you want it. Yeah. And you know, the temptations are there to do, to do wickedness. Um, you know, and, but the path there to do good is also there. So yeah. it, you know, so any opportunity, anything you want to have happen, yeah, you can have happen. Um, but again, your, your mind can be programmed to believe that you can't have what you yeah. need, you know, and that's, that's what this, uh, this bloodline that's in control has, has basically done to us. They've locked us into this mode of, uh, of scarcity and uh, dependency um, that, that says that you can't have what you want. You have to work hard for it and you have to jump through hoops for it. But, uh, but no, in, in reality, right, if you really want it, you just, you literally just focus your intention and will on it. And, uh, and you know, you'll, you'll wake up one day and go, oh, there it is. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know? but, um, but no, they've, they've got us focused on, on their process of how to do stuff. That you have to jump through these hoops and uh, yeah, these hoops, uh, um, you know, get this qualification, get this job, you know, earn this money, pay this fee, and, uh, and maybe, possibly, you can get to do what you want to do, you know. So um, do you think they, they're going to um, lose, basically, and we're going to win? Like, what do you see for the future, like, going forward? Like, do you have any um, visions or ideas or opinions on what's going to be happening? Well, fortunately, the, the books are already there, as I said. Um, and yes, the hint, you know, spoilers, we win in the end, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, because, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what it says, we win in the end. But the only thing that's left 
to decide is um, what side you in particular are going yeah. to be on. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. It's um, when, when you watch a film, when you watch a film, there are two stories that you're looking at. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at the, the, the main plot line. That's the main story, you know, so what's going on in that world on that, in that story. Yeah. So in our world story, there's chemtrails, there's the coronavirus, there's, you know, fluoride in the water, there's all this stuff, yeah, all this stuff going on. But the most, most important story is your personal journey through that world, through that story. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the outside story, yes, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of important for our, from our point of view, but it's not really important. Yeah. You know? Uh, the important part is what you choose to do to do and yeah. you're going to be you're essentially going to be judged on that so um so yes i'm, I'm hopeful because i know i know that the, you know these guys aren't going to win and i know that because um the whole story from beginning to end is in that book and you know you can you can read it and realize that you know they've they've tried and failed in the past and uh, the most high basically says uh, they're going to try you know they've been allowed to do what they they're doing right now yeah but they've gone too far and they're going to be you know badly punished for it um but they're they're, they're going to lose in the end yeah so basically ignore all the distractions that are going yes. on around because essentially we're going to be okay in the end anyway yes and and you know this um, my, my kind of advice for this kind of um, echoes what the book says. Yeah, it's not about... Um, Hang on, sorry, what, what you mean by the book? You mean the Bible, right? The Old Testament. Okay, um, okay, yeah. So-called Old Testament. It's actually called the Book of Remembrance. Um, okay. Which is a whole story in itself. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so the book basically tells us that we're, we're in a contest with ourselves, essentially. And, you know, my advice for, for people to uh, navigate this is to, is literally to, um, uh, to work on yourself. Don't let yourself be changed by this, you know, this scam that's going on right now. Yeah. Because that's, that's what they're aiming to do. They're changing your perceptions, yeah, and making you dependent, making you um, believe you're helpless against yeah. all this. Um, and, you know, and people are changing because of it. You know, you see the fear outside, you know, people not wanting to uh, get close to anybody anymore. Yeah. Not wanting to talk to anybody. Even it's actually really a horrible them. energy and atmosphere at the moment because yes. of it. Yeah. And that's because people are allowing themselves to be changed. And if this, uh, if this cabal um, wins out, you know, which they won't do in the end, but if they get to do what they want to do, then humanity will be changed forever. You yeah. Know? Um, it's funny. I was I was in the um, I was in Waitrose yesterday, and um, I I realised something. I was thinking. I was like pondering what what the world of the new world order would be like. You know. If they yeah. Um, and a, a, a couple of little phrases were echoing through my head. Um, one of them was uh, um, useless eaters. Useless eaters. Yes, which is what they call us, yeah, useless eaters. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you know what? Um, 
what, one of the things that they this this you know this would uh, this entails let's so let's imagine a hundred years from now they win okay um, one of the things that uh, our lives will be like is that we would be uh, our food supply would be and I call it ersatz which is which just means like a you know a fake version so artificial yeah yeah so um now if you you're probably not old enough but when um supermarkets first came in yeah um they were amazing places because um you could walk into a supermarket and uh you know um i don't know beans for instance there was like every variety of bean <laughs> that was like uh, like tinned beans all every kind and you know you go down the shelves and there was a, it was like a two dozen varieties of whatever it, it was yeah yeah it was like all oh, this choice and I, I noticed when i came back to this country um i went to the supermarket that i used to go to uh, before i left and i noticed that the choice that choice aspect had shrunk you know now when there was like uh, you know 20 types of bean you could get now there were two yeah you know and there were different you know uh, a dozen brands of those two, but there was still only two you could choose. Yeah, from. yeah, yeah. And I'm still seeing that movement because I'm, I'm, I was trying to get this, uh, this, this kind of cracker, um, this, uh, yeah, this type of cracker. I can't really describe it, but there was a type of cracker that was always in the, the, the shop. Now it's gone. So it's just quietly removed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now the again that choice has been narrowed. Yeah. Um, and it's been a slow process of initially they gave us tons of choice, mainly to, uh, to woo us away from the tiny, the small shops. Yeah. Yeah. But now that we're all habituated to going to supermarkets, now they're reducing the choices right down. Right. So I see the future under this um, new world order for the survivors and in our class, right you'll go to a supermarket and there'll be one choice and it will be, you know, ersatz beans. <laughs> and that's it. One type of bean and it'll be in a plain, plain wrapper, a plain white um, container with yeah. beans on it. And that's it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and literally they can poison it as much as they want because you know, we've got no choice. Yeah. You know? And so we go to the supermarket and we just get these white labeled things that, you know, ersatz bread, that's beans. That's but do you think it will get to that point? I don't think it will. But uh, but you're but saying if it did go that far, if it did, yeah. But yeah. for them, they're the ones that are going to have all this, you know, lavish luxury, uh, lavish luxury food. Yeah. But the, for the proles, it's going to be ersatz stuff that's going to be subtly poisoned again, so that we all have short, brutal lives. Um, and yeah, I just, the vision hit me when I was in the, sh in that shop, yeah. you know, just looking and thinking, you know what, the, the choices have been narrowed and, and for me personally, when I'm walking around Waitrose, um, you know, once I've been to the fruit and veg part, the rest of the shop is redundant because I know most of it's all poison. Yeah. And I can't yeah, eat any of this true. stuff. Yeah. You know? And uh, it's just, it just came to me that that's, that's the vision of the future. Yeah, you have no choice. Yeah, you can only buy what they provide you, and everything they provide you is going to be poisonous. Yeah. You know?
I mean, they're, they're, they're creating quite a lot of confusion, aren't they, at the moment? Like, um, step aside from the food issue, but it's just in general, in every sense. Um, do you know a lot about the, the new age agenda and QAnon and stuff? I know enough about it, enough to go, you know what, nah. <laughs> How they're hijacking the system and really kind of leading people down a wrong path. Mm -hmm. um, that can sometimes feel a little bit worrying, you know that people aren't able to see it for what it is. Uh, again, that's out in the, uh, the main game, yeah? Um, again, what's important is how you play, yeah? Doesn't matter what they're doing on the outside, yeah? yeah. How are you gonna play? Yeah. yeah? And it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what cards you're dealt when you, uh, when you come into this world, because uh, any, any poker player knows that if you get dealt a two and a three, you can still beat somebody who's got two aces. Yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not the cards you've been dealt with, it's how you play the game. Yeah. And uh, somebody, a skillful player with a two and a three is going to beat somebody who's got a pair of aces and then somebody who's got a pair of kings. Yeah. A skillful player will, will play such a way that they'll, they'll win no matter what. I know you're saying like focus on yourself and like focus on what like what we are doing like individually but on a collective level do you ever do you ever feel that that will affect the reality going forward on a collective level of course when when you change yourself the world changes around you yeah you know so you change yourself right you you act differently you you make different choices right you affect the people around you they yeah. start making different choices yeah people you don't even know are going to be affected by you yeah um you know i'm i'm just i'm just you know stupid day from basildon but um you know i i decided to make the odd film a, a video about you know what i what i discovered and what i feel about stuff yeah and, well here here i'm i'm in liverpool okay and and i i'm and four times now I've walked out on the street and somebody's gone, you're Dave. I've been watching your videos. And I, I've done, I started, I started hearing fair of you. I've, I've done this, I've done that because, you know, and I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's really humbled me because it's like, I'm, I'm just Dave from Basildon for God's sake. Yeah. People are saying that, um, you know, I've, I've somehow affected their lives, you know, and I didn't know, I don't know these people, but somehow. This... Yeah. It's a crazy concept, but yeah, you yes. do. You touch and a lot of people. And, and it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to go make videos or anything, but you are. And, you know, right now you are, mate, you're affecting people and you, you'll never know the extent of, of how you affect people in this world. Yeah. There's somebody who's watched your videos and has changed their life because of it. Yeah. And, and now, you know, they're out there changing other people's lives because what have you done? You know, you've, you, you've, you've initiated that. Yeah. yeah, and and that's and you can replicate that. You know, maybe maybe ten thousand times, maybe a hundred thousand times, maybe a million times. You don't know. Yeah, I really want to um, just before because I just I'm like being mindful of the time. I've kept a lot of your time. Um, I really want to touch on flat Earth, mm -hmm. um, just a tiny, tiny little bit. So obviously, I know that we live on a flat Earth, um, but what really confuses me is what's beyond and outside. And growing up, I was like always really into astrology. Mm -hmm. And if space is fake, then where does that leave astrology? Right. Well, um, 
I'll answer the second question first. Right, astrology was something that the fallen angels taught man. Okay. There was um, the, the, the angels are somehow connected to the stars, if not stars, actually stars. Yeah. Um, the book of Enoch basically tell, says that angels are stars. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Testament of Solomon, when he was going through the demons, he was saying, okay, what star are you? <laughs> you know, and they yeah. say, I'm that star over there, you know. So um, they are either, these angels are either stars or they're connected to the stars in some way. So when the angels fell, they had a vested interest in, in looking at the stars and making sure, you know, nothing was, going, was coming for them or, you know. <laughs> So they taught they taught mankind, you know, how to how to read the stars. So it's, so it's a real concept. Hmm? It's a real concept. It's a real concept, but I don't think it's a, it's a concept for us, because um, the book basically says that we're not we're not meant to be, um, you know, divining by the stars. Okay. You know? Yeah. Because if you know the the angels know that the movements of certain stars mean something yeah and uh you know but they mean something for them not for us yeah um but divining by the stars we were told not to do that um what's outside of this my personal view is that this is a bubble of 3d space and time okay so 3D space, you know, the space that we're moving around in and time passing yeah. only, only happens here in this bubble. Okay. So there's stillness outside then. There, there is, this is the thing. There is no outside because that would in, imply space and time. Uh, yeah. We can't imagine it because we are 3D space and time um, creatures. Yeah. So there is no outside. This bubble is all there is. Right, but on a different, I guess, dimension, a different um, frequency, you might call it. Um, you know, there's a there's an existence that has nothing to do with time passing, nothing have nothing to do with uh, with with space. So, when we arrive here, that moment that we arrive in this place is the same moment we leave. You know, from the perspective of outside of this. Yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, if, if it's the case that we, we, when we leave here, we go back to being a kind of spirit being, right? It's the, the same, the, the moment we arrived here is the same moment we leave. Yeah, so. That's a crazy concept to try and understand in your head. <laughs> yes, which also means that um, everyone arrived here at the same time. Yeah, so everyone, from our point of view. So the moment I'm here, born and the moment I die is the same point. Same point. And it's the same point for everybody, even okay. though they might have lived, a, you know, um, a thousand years ago. Yeah. They all arrived at the same time and then left at the same time. So we all arrive back in, you know, out of here at the same time because there is no time in that yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get our heads around because we, we live, we're swimming in this, in this uh, environment. But that's why I'm saying there's n there is nothing outside of this. And essentially, science says the same thing because uh, it, it, just, it just expands the model out a bit, you know, so that we don't see it. It's yeah. saying that the universe 
is expanding. Yeah, <laughs> this is their model. Yeah, that the universe is expanding. Well, what's it expanding into? You know, it can't be expanding into more space and time because then that would also be the universe. You know. Yeah. So it's it's they're saying it's just expanding, but you know, um, there's there's nothing outside it because it's. It, it, anyway is it, is it yeah i i just i can't like i really want to try and understand like what's outside and it's obviously i, I won't be able to there can isn't. you give me like literally two seconds i need to let someone in sorry okay <laughs> literally two seconds okay so i only have a couple of questions left sorry <laughs> um what was i gonna say so um how would you advise just um, for someone who is starting their journey. Um. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, carry, carry. Journey, yeah, just yeah. for someone who's um, starting their journey um, mm -hmm. or starting to question things or starting to feel like something isn't right, something doesn't sit right, the system doesn't feel right, the world doesn't feel right, how would you advise someone to seek truth? Um, you know, like someone who internally is feeling things aren't right or what would what kind of advice would you give this person right well the, the first bit of advice would be to uh to try and put aside everything that you think is true yeah just you know you don't have to sort of not believe it you just just put it to one side and say okay let's assume i don't know anything okay and whatever subject that's got you feeling that way start looking into it start asking questions about it if you've got a, if you've got an open heart right and you're not clouded with everything that you think you know already yeah, and again there's that process of of filling this side of your brain up that you know all these things yeah you put that aside and assume i don't know anything and start asking questions the answers will come to you and most of most of all they'll come to you through your intuition you know, you'll, you'll get an answer and you'll know that that's the truth and you'll start looking around and you'll, you'll get confirmation that, yes, that's true. And yeah. just, again, follow with an open heart and don't try and put your, your own views on top of it and just go where the, where the information takes you. Yeah, and just let it flow, right? Yeah. And, and you know, um, if, if you're anything like me, you know, once you start getting this, it's, it's exciting. It's like um, finding this stuff, and I've, I've found some amazing things um, just just recently. You know, one thing I found: somebody told me about um, about the idea that uh, the the calendar has uh, they've, they've literally added a thousand years to our calendar. And at the time, I I paid no attention to it. I thought, uh, yeah, that's a, some crazy conspiracy theory. But then, um, but then I was uh, again researching the Old Testament and found something that didn't make sense. Yeah. You know, uh, um, which, when I calculated it out, meant essentially the the world should have ended in you know uh, one thousand thirty or something like that. Yeah, it's a new concept that I found as well that they changed the calendar. Yeah, and so it, it forced me. You know, as I heard this or calculated it, I thought, no, that's wrong um that that popped in back into my head i thought well let me go and look at that again you know yeah and then i started to actually look at the entire story and and all of a sudden it's just like wow 
this this actually looks like it could be real um and it fits in with what i'm what i was talking about what my calculations were and the rest of the story that i found you know reading the old testament it's just like it, it just slots in really neatly and my intuition was like yep that's that's right <laughs> you know yeah so, so yes it's uh it's it's been pretty amazing and you know you feel it you know goosebumps come up come up and you know, when you feel it when you when you find this stuff and you just like know that it's it's uh it's real and the amazing thing is i feel like we never really stop learning as well like the next thing just leads us deeper 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 i just feel like i've just i keep going deeper I'm still going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. So many of them. Because I'm, I'm, I'm writing this book, um, and I've been writing it for over a year now. <laughs> oh, um, what's it about? Is it about your adventures, the adventures of Allegedly, allegedly Dave? <laughs> no, I think that's next. But um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it sounds like you should do one, though, you know. Uh, maybe. Um, now, this is about the Book of Remembrance. It's, uh, it's about the Old oh, Testament okay. and, uh, and all the stuff that I found out. Um, so the history but, behind it? It's yes the history what the story is all about you know um and how it works and you know what what the what the future holds you know yeah. what, what led us to this point right now you know um you know when you when you know who the players are right and and uh, their biblical motivations you can see it in the world right now you know um so uh, uh lost the train of thought now but <laughs> Well, the Book of Remembrance, is, does it have to be decoded? Is it, is it quite easy to read? It is, it is actually very easy to read. It doesn't have to be decoded um, as such. It's not, it's not in code, but there are, um, I believe, there are keys to understanding it. And, you know, Daniel, in his book, he says, shut the book up until the end. So the book was sealed so that, you know, this book that has been with humanity for the whole of recorded history you know uh, until it was ready you couldn't look at it and understand what was going on yeah until until the right time which is now yeah right? and, and now with the with the right keys and and one of them i call it the obedience key um and that obedience key is not to have an idol in your heart you know if you've if you've got jc you know in in your heart then you can't read that book without seeing JC in it. Yeah. And if you see JC in that book, then you can't understand the story. It's gibberish. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So um, you have to read it with an open, clear perspective. Yes. You've got to also know um, who the players are in that book and who they are today. Yeah. yeah. You've got to know um, the language. I call it the language deception. Yeah, because all all of these uh, Bibles are translations. Yeah, yeah, they're not they're not the actual word. They're translations into English. And if you if you uh, can see the tricks that have been used to hide information, then you know you can you can have read it. You know, understanding that and read it differently to the way they intend you to see it. Yeah, and that's it. So I feel like I need to read the book after we've had this conversation. <laughs> Where can I get it from then? Just like Amazon or? Uh, what? Which book? The Book of Remembrance. Well, the Book of Remembrance is essentially the Old Testament. Yeah. Some of the books that were taken out restored. Okay. So there's uh, 14 books of the Apocrypha. So you get the King James 1611 with the Apocrypha. Um, 
and that's 14, at least 14 books. Um, I include also the Book of Enoch, Book of Jasher, and Book of Jubilees. Um, and, okay. you know, by, between, between all those books, you get a, a real, uh, a very rich story that sometimes feels like a, a Lord of the Rings adventure, you know? Yeah. And when is your book going to be finished? <laughs> That's a bloody good question. I'd like to know. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I, I, I keep saying this. It's like I, I keep giving myself deadlines and, uh, and then I hear them whoosh by, whoosh by me, you know, it's like, um, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, I mean, this week I was, I was supposed to start writing, you know, on, on Monday. Yeah. And, uh, and literally I haven't really properly sat down and been able to do it because I had to do research and stuff. So, um, so yes, I, I want to say, I want to say within the next two months. Okay. Well, that's good. So when it's published, I'll read it and then I'll get you back on and we can discuss more in depth about it. Okay. Yeah. And maybe I'll send. Maybe I'll send you the introduction, and you can say that again. Maybe I'll send you the introduction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Introduction and and chapter one. And, Do uh, I need to have read the Book of Remembrance to to understand and read your book? Um. Not no, because that's what I'm. I'm. I'm basically. Doing. Well, you don't have to have read it. Yeah. But what I, what I suggest to people is, you know, you can read my book and then um, have a look at, you know, read the book yourself and see if you agree with what I'm saying, you know? Yeah. And so lastly, what would you say is your mission here? Do you have a clear mission here? I, I was actually told what my mission is, you know? Um, well, that makes life so much easier when you get told. Yes. <laughs> um, so... So a friend of mine, a um, guy from Hungary, um, basically did a, a process on me, which was, uh, you know, basically got me to, to lie down and, uh, and relax and um, got me to describe an atmospheric place. So I described um, a large teepee with a fire in the middle and some logs around the fire. And uh, I was sitting on a log. So he got me to describe it in detail. And uh, he said, okay, um, somebody's come in who is it and then all of a sudden I saw uh, this medicine woman come in and it happened to be a friend of mine as a medicine woman yeah so she came in and she sat down opposite me you know on, on one of the logs and uh, and my friend said um okay you can ask her whatever you want so essentially um I was tapping into myself my subconscious yeah um so my subconscious mind invented this place and invented a character who could talk to me. And then so I could actually ask this character, um, which is my subconscious directly. Yeah. You know. So um, I asked it, the first question I asked was, what's my purpose here? And uh, without missing a beat, she said, to help and inspire by just being you. Oh, that's lovely. And that's definitely what you're doing. And I think, well, I think I've, I've been gypped because I think that's everybody's purpose. It's literally everyone's purpose. Yeah. You know, because it's easy to be you. You know how to be you. <laughs> yeah. So, so just be you and don't let anybody stop you from being you. Yeah. yeah? And, and literally, you will help and inspire people around you. Thank you so much.
for your time. Um, I finally got my podcast with you. <laughs> I've wanted for a few years. <laughs> I hope it was so worth it. It was definitely worth it. It was definitely worth waiting for. <laughs> Good. So yeah, thank you so much for your time. I actually had a few more questions, but I'm just, I just don't want to go on too long and maybe we can just talk another time. Okay. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. You're and welcome. I will speak to you soon. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you.